Take from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, a show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. Hey, John, I, was, I should have said I'm your co-host, Darren, the birthday boy, Patterson. Like, I was thinking about slipping that in there, but I was like, that's, I, that's, that, that might be too much. I don't want to come out the gate making this all about me. But now I'm talking about it, so I am still making it about me. So... Right, you you just like delayed talking about you for like five seconds. Yes, uh, yes, that is true. I did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, all right. So now here we are talking. Well, happy about birthday! Well, thank you. Who told you? How did you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Darren's birthday was this uh, this past Tuesday. So, uh, and it, since it's an off week for SNL, we're we're talking about a movie that he requested. Uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah, yeah. So this is a interesting one. Um, I kind of came across it. Um, I don't know, just kind of. I was just. I just happened to watch the the movie uh, a couple years ago when it came out, and um, or like it last. It came out last year. What am I saying? Couple last years year, twenty twenty one. It was originally supposed to come out in July of twenty twenty, but it was delayed because of the pandemic. Right. Exactly. So then it ended up coming. It was delayed indefinitely in twenty twenty, and then it came out on a Valentine's Day weekend. Last year, 2021, and uh, it was it came out only on VOD because I mean, if you remember, around that time when you know the world was the, the end of the world was uh, nice and new, like like the whole movie industry didn't know how they were going to handle releasing their movies. Like some studios just put out movies on VOD, some studios put it out in the theaters and VOD. I mean, of course, we all remember the uh, what HBO Max did with all those big budget movies they put out on HBO Max, like Suicide right. Squad, uh, Wonder, Woman. Wonder Woman, Matrix, uh, the that Sopranos peak prequel, uh, and of course, you know the big uh, Black Widow debacle, where they like release it on like Disney Plus, and you had to pay an extra like twenty bucks or something to see it. Yeah, it, it didn't that one come out on on streaming at the same time it was in theaters? I know I saw that in theaters, but I think. It was released to streaming at the same time, and that was wasn't that part of Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit? Yeah, because like it came out in the theater and on Dis- Disney Plus at the same time. But if you saw it on Disney Plus, you had to pay like an extra, I believe, twenty bucks or something, twenty uh-huh. twenty five bucks to see. It. I think they did the same thing with Cruella, and uh, you know that. I mean, I don't know. I, I did. I did like. All right, we'll go on a tangent. I did like Black uh, Widow, but it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't. It had its issues. It had. It wasn't the perfect movie. So maybe. I thought it was I mean, a good middle tier uh, Marvel movie. I yeah. I would have liked it to be a little better, but I thought it was fine. It was, yeah, I thought it was it, good for what it was. Yeah, I thought it was okay, and I think that with the fact that you know the pandemic hit when it did, both of that kind of affected its overall box office. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it was. I mean, it was just bad timing, but I don't think it was like top tier Marvel. But I, I certainly see why Scarlett Johansson would be upset about that, and yeah, it, and it's it's a good thing that that she did that lawsuit, and it it seemed to have worked out favorably for her. So, yeah, absolutely, more power absolutely. to her. Right, right on. We we stand by you, Scarlett Johansson. We here at the SNL nerds, we salute you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So, and of course, so this movie, uh, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, was one of those movies that kind of. Was was definitely affected by that. It, it was uh, shelved indefinitely. Then they put it out on VOD, 
And I remember it coming out. They kind of promote. They kind of promoted it a little bit. I didn't see too much about it. Um, I don't think I ever heard of it until you sent me the trailer for it. Really? Wow. Okay. Because it's because it's a weird thing. Because as we all know, this movie was written by um, Annie Mumolo and Kristen Wiig, the two people that brought us Bridesmaids. And when you know, we all remember that when that movie came out, it was a huge blockbuster hit. People were talking about it. Like for months after it came out, people were like, oh, look at this. This movie's amazing. Women are funny. Yeah. And like people were constantly wondering when they were going to come out with another movie. Like, I think a lot of people just right off the bat were like, oh, you're going to make a Bridesmaids 2, right? We're getting a sequel, Bridesmaids 2, or a prequel, you know, Teen Bridesmaids or something. And, or like, and but, like, well, I, I, as soon as I said that, I heard it. I was like, oh, that sounds, that sounds not great. No, that's but, great. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, leave it in. Uh, but yeah, but for some reason, like uh, Annie Mumolo and Kristen Wiig, they didn't they didn't do a follow up, and we hadn't heard from them in a while. So all their heat that they had from Bridesmaid kind of died down a bit. And but then there were murmurings of them making another movie, but it would be another totally different movie, totally original, totally new characters, and that was this movie. But I think by the time this movie came out, like all the heat kind of totally died down. And of course, then the pandemic hit, and then it, it just got kind of scrapped away. This film, because uh, it's like you said, like I remember reading about it online, saying, "Oh, it's filming in uh, Mexico City in New Mexico," and um, when it was ready to come out, pandemic hit, and then it, it just kind of got, you know, squirt, you know, just pushed to the side to VOD. And that, I, I did see like a trailer or two here or there for it, and um, they did promote it. If you remember, I think it was on the Golden Globes, but the trailers weren't that great and the the uh that their little uh appearance on the golden globes wasn't great i, I think you probably remember we tweeted about it but like oh god what are, what are they doing on this <laughs> what is the shit i've doing? forgotten about their golden globes appearance uh um, in character and yeah yeah it's I, just i don't remember liking that now yeah it was sorry i didn't mean to make you uh relive the pain but yeah it's just it was just basically kind of them talking over each other for a good three minutes I, was like, I mean, oh. I generally don't like it when they they do comedy bits in the middle of an award show. Um, yeah, and and usually they do it for like the smaller awards, uh, like a technical award or something like like you know, say cinematography, just to pick something at random. Um, and I, it always strikes me as like kind of selfish because it's like this is like. The one of the biggest moments of these people's lives, of the nominees' lives, and then they're just kind of hijacking it with a comedy bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. send in the clowns. Send yeah, in the clowns for best makeup. Like when they when they continue it on, you know, past the the introduction, I re- I really hate that. You know, yeah. even if it's somebody like I'm, I know I've seen like Will Ferrell do that a few times, and I'm just like, it's not about you, dude. Uh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, I, I didn't even think about that. Like, usually when it's best actor, best supporting actor, actress, it's, you know, it's very serious and very straightforward. But if it's something yeah, like exactly. you said, like best animation or best sound editing, it's like, oh, send in the jester to make to have to come in with the jokes and the and the funnies. Right. Because, it, it, yeah, it just kind of sends the message like, oh, this 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 is this category doesn't really matter. We can goof around for this. Yes. And yeah, no, I don't like that. Yeah, you know what? I'm with you, John. I don't like it yeah. either. So, uh, so Oscars, if you're listening, we withdraw our nomination 
for best podcast. Uh, you know, if you had that, if you had it, we would withdraw it in protest. Yeah. In protest. Right. Exactly. If you want to nominate us next year, that's totally okay. Yes, we'll, we'll totally be there. I can totally yep. get a tux from Men's Warehouse. Just, yep. just let me know, please. Got to, got to save up. Um, I mean, uh, we, we probably can't afford a limo, but we could. I bet we could do like an Uber rideshare thing. Ooh. Um, okay. That's okay, right? Uh, ooh. We'll pull up in a Mazda. <laughs> ooh, fancy times! Now you're cooking yeah. again. All right, yeah. Mazda. Wow. But we'll have to wait because the, the driver will have to drop off another couple of people. <laughs> I got to make a stop at the Teen Choice Awards first. And, but then. <laughs> right. right. But then you guys. You guys. Okay. No, no. We get it. We get it. Yeah. Ah, Cable Ace. Just, I got I to gotta make a stop. <laughs> um, the hell was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. This movie didn't get too much promotion. But I... Part of me was like intrigued by it. I was very because I know the the writing team made Bridesmaids, and I like Bridesmaids, so I figured, well, this movie can't be so terrible that the people that made Bridesmaids wrote it. Like they couldn't have had such a fall from grace that it would be bad. So um, when it came out on DVD, I I rented it from my local library, and I was uh, pleasantly surprised by it. I I would enjoy it like so much so that I wanna you know, revisit it today and think it's a movie more people need to watch. I was hesitant to bring it to you because I, I think I have a good grasp on what you like and what you don't like. And mm-hmm. with this movie, I was like, uh, with John, it could go either way. But I, if I was a betting man, I think he'll he'll look favorably on it. But I, you, you uh, gave, I think you gave odds on how much you, you thought I might like it. And I, I, thought, I seem to remember the odds being pretty high. I think you said last week there was a 75 percent chance i would like it I, mean, like I said i said 85 percent. i was 80, like okay it was that high i All right. yeah i was like i i feel i don't know i feel i felt lucky so i put 85 okay okay so, right, well, and you, you said that's what you would have uh done if you were a betting man you would have said i like if i was a betting man i would think i would think you would say it's all right I wouldn't say you loved it, but I would say you think, "Oh, this is okay." That's I'll I'll, I'll give you that. I'll I'll say I'll leave you that okay. I will tell you this. Yes, you would have lost that bet. God damn it! Oh. You would have lost that bet big time. Son of a bitch! I thought right. I did not like this movie, Darren. Damn it! I all right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening I mean, to the when you send me the trailer for this. Um, you were like, "Hey, what do you think about doing this?" And I watched the trailer, and I was just like, "Oh no, that doesn't look good to me. That doesn't look good to me at all." Because, like the the characters, like um, uh, Kristen Wiig and, and Annie Rumelo, are doing. Did I get that right? Is it Rumelo or Mamelo? Mamelo, Mamelo. I knew it was something like that. I. I I said Romolo, and I was like, "That doesn't sound right, uh, Mamolo." So, excuse me for that. Um, so they're they're doing these very distinctive voices, um, like Midwest like Housewives. Yeah, yeah. The the characters are from like Nebraska, and they're like, "Oh yeah," and I don't know. I'm going into like a Fargo voice, but I feel like a little that goes a long way. I got sick of them in the trailer like that, and it just. Uh, 
it, it looked annoying to me. Okay. Um, and then I, so I was, I was kind of dreading watching this uh, to be perfectly honest. Cause I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I mean, I want to give this a fair chance because Darren recommended it and I trust his opinion and he thinks there's a good chance I'll like it. So maybe this will surprise me. I don't know. Um, and then I, I started watching it and there's, there's this twist like early on, uh, like the movie starts out with like this paper boy, just, uh, you know, throwing, delivering his papers in a suburban neighborhood. And we see him like throw the last paper. And then he like, uh, rides his bike out into the woods and he stops at this tree. And then the tree like uh, does like a laser scan on him. And then the, the, the tree trunk opens up uh there's there's like a door in the tree trunk and then he goes down into the super secret spy thing and i was like oh okay this is interesting this is unexpected maybe this movie has some hidden surprises for me okay maybe i'll get into this because i thought that was that was kind of cool that was a neat twist and then from then on i just i i didn't really care for it much Hmm. Um, all right all right well that's uh all right well all right, let's let's do an episode then. Let's let's plow through. I mean, this this is going to be interesting because we don't usually disagree that much. This yeah, um, this is a this is a this will be interesting. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's like you said, there were there was that twist where, um, it turned out they're gonna bring in the sort of sort of secret spy element into yeah, uh, the move in the movie where we find out that, that like you said, the paper boy, uh, yo yo, it works for this woman. Uh, whose name is uh, Shannon Gordon's fisherman. Mm-hmm. Who, who's like a who's like a very pale, white-skinned uh, woman with like bright blue eyes and like an emo Phillips type of haircut. And she right. has this um, underground lair, and she plans on this big attack ha- that she wants to play on a uh, Vista del Mar. She wants to set. A, she wants to send out uh, killer mosquitoes to uh, destroy the whole town because of right. What's yeah, and we, we find her, out but... later in the movie, like halfway through, she's got like a very personal reason for wanting to do this. Right. Like it's a whole personal grudge. And we find out that um, one of the people working for her is um, this spy named Edgar, played by Jamie Dornan, who, you know, was from um, Fifty Shades of Grey fame, played uh, Christian right. Grey. And uh, we find out like they're involved in a relationship, but it's very one sided because he wants her to, he wants to be in a, an official relationship he wants you know wants them yeah. to put a ring on it but she's she's, just she's got him on the hook and she's like oh no i'm not ready to be official yet i'm not ready to go public and she's stringing him along basically exactly so yeah. that's, uh, that's that's one side of the story and then another side is we introduce our uh, two characters barb and star who are um two you know two best friends they're constantly by each other's side they work together they live yeah. together. They they. I, I thought the inter, their introduction was clever. We see them just like sitting on a couch together, and they're having tea, and they're just they're just gossiping like old friends. Um, and then they're suddenly interrupted by this this man coming up to them, and we discover that they're actually on a display couch in a department store. Right. They work at uh, Jennifer's Convertibles, which yes. is a, a chain of. Uh, furniture stores that went out of business about 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and the the customer asked them like, oh, well, my wife and I were interested in buying this couch. Can you help us with that? And they're just like, well, here's the thing. Like, this is our display model, the floor model. And we can't really let that go because it's just been, it's been in use all this time. So it's not... And he's like, well, could we have it for a discount? And and we find out that they don't really want to give up the couch because that's their place to just sort of sit and gap yeah, during that's their work day. That's where they share all their stories. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then they're called in by their boss, who's played by uh, the great Ian Gomez uh, from the, the Drew Carey show and uh, Cougar Town, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, he calls them into the office and you think, oh, they're they're about to get fired and we find out that uh, they're just being let go because the entire store chain has closed, but nobody told this particular branch. <laughs> um, so I like that. I was like, okay, you know, this, there you go. This is all right. Yeah, and at one point, I think Barb says, "You can't close the store. Where are we going to hold our Thanksgiving?" And then he and <laughs> right. He's like, "Wait, you've been coming into the store when it's closed <laughs> and hosting a Thanksgiving?" And they're like, "No." <laughs> um, and we also find out that they're so codependent that they, that the, when one of, just one of them is scheduled to work, the other one is coming in. So that just so they can talk all day. Yeah. And they find out over the course of this meeting that neither one of them was actually scheduled that day. They just, they just both came in. Right. So it's like that type of relationship. They're very, uh, Bert and Ernie never leave each other's side. Uh, at, at one point when we go see the, them at their house, we find out that they actually, they live in the same house. And by then, not only do they live in the same house, they sleep in the same bedroom. They, it's like yeah. they have two separate beds, but they sleep in the same room. And that's, yes. I was like, wow. Very Lucy and Desi. Yeah. Yeah. They're <laughs> very, they're, they're, they're heterosexual life partners, as, as you would say. Absolutely. I mean, maybe uh, you wouldn't say that, but I just did. So you didn't have to. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. No, you're welcome. You're welcome, thank buddy. You. Thank you. Thank you, man. Um, I, I will, I will admit like I want, so once they find out they, they get fired, we have, um, their friend Jackie played by Wendy McLendon, McLendon Covey from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rena 911, uh, the Goldbergs and of course, Bridesmaids. And she's right. literally just in this movie just to show up and say, talk about how she had a great time in Vista Del Mar. It's like, oh, you guys should definitely go. It's an amazing time. Right. You'll, you'll have a soul douche. It'll be fantastic. And then she just kind of, then she goes away and we never see her again. I forgot she phrased it like that. Yeah. Yes. So the, it's an invigorating soul douche. Yeah. No, it's good to have a good soul douche every once in a while. It cleans yeah. things out. Yeah. You know, cleans out the pelt. Yeah. And, it's, quite, um, it's quite sanitary. Yeah. And uh, then we go into them where they join their, um, not a book club, a talking club. Where, right. Where like them and their friends get together to talk about certain topics they pull out of a jar. Right, which I and and, like, and they're they're very you can only talk about the specified topic. Uh, yes, one of them who's played by uh, Phyllis from The Office, Phyllis Smith. Um, she's like, oh, I'd really, really like to talk about horses, and the ringleader uh, Vanessa Bayer is just like, no, no, we're talking about jobs because that's the topic that we we chose. Yeah, I also like Vanessa Bayer's kind of passive aggressive strictness. With this group, where yeah, she's, where she says, "All right, well, it's six o'clock. Um, you know, it looks like Gail's not here, so I'm just gonna go lock the door." Yeah. <laughs> so as she's locking the door, Gail's like, "Hey, I'm here. I'm sorry, I'm late." And then Vanessa Bay said, "No, sorry, it's six. It's six six oh one, Gail. Goodbye." 
it's not the sort of character that you usually see Vanessa Bayer play. She's usually like this very nice, sweet person. And I don't think I've ever seen her play like a real bitch before. And she kind of plays a bitch in this. Yeah, no, very much so. It's a definitely a, it's a change of pace. She switches it up. But I like it. Yeah. Um, and I also like how, uh, where like you said, the topic was jobs. So everybody talks about their jobs. We see comedian uh, Fortune Feimster talk talking about yeah. her job at the uh, Christmas store. And then at first, the uh, Barb and Star lie to say that they you know they love their job at Jennifer Convertibles because they don't want to tell the truth because they work at the hottest place in town. <laughs> and so then they end up uh, you know lying, but then they come clean because they're really bad liars and they don't like to lie. So they say they got fired, and of course they, then they get kicked out of Talking Club because they lied. And then it's everybody kind of taking their stuff and leaving. And I, I like this one little detail where, like, as they're, as all the women in the club are picking up their bags and purses and jackets to leave, we see Phyllis pick up a horse saddle and leave. Because <laughs> you, you really want to talk about horses. I, I must have totally missed that. I don't remember that at all. It's very, it's very subtle. Like, you really have to look and see. How is oh, it subtle with a horse saddle? I'm telling. Well, you didn't see it, but I'm telling you, it's there. She picks uh, yeah, up. Yeah, no, but uh, but I I think my attention was starting to wander by this point. So I'm telling you, she picks up a horse saddle, and no one brings attention to it, but she does it, and it's like it's okay. one of those things I, where no, I believe you. Okay, that that sounds like a cute gag. I'm sorry, yeah. I missed it. Uh huh. See, uh, I think I might turn you around on this film before. No, no, oh. you will not. Damn it! <laughs> All right, well. You, I get, all right. You will not. All right. Uh, so, so yeah. So then the two of them talk it out. They say how you know they feel dejected that they lost their jobs and they're out of the talking club. So you know, the, uh, I believe Star decides, hey, we maybe we should go to Vista Del Mar and you know change things up. I feel like we're losing our shimmer, our shine, and we need to you know ex- explore different uh, things. So. They decide to go to Vista Del Mar based off of Jackie's advice, and um, yeah. yeah, now now we now we got ourselves the movie. Do we though? I think so. I think so. Uh, okay, well, agree, agree to disagree. All right, geez, Louise. Okay, <laughs> all right. So then, uh, we'll I see. did not like this movie, you guys. I am all right. I I thought I thought at the very least you think it was okay. But not liking it, that's no. that's a shocker. <laughs> no. Huh. All right, all right, let's, all right, let's, let's plow through. I mean, okay, I mean, for starters, I feel like this movie takes way too long to get going. Like, they are, they are not going down to Vista Del Mar until about 30 minutes in. And it's, this movie's like an hour, 47 minutes. So I think it, it, take, it took way too long to set up, first of all. Um, okay. So that that's a problem. It's it's kind of drag at the beginning. Um, and I, I read on the IMDb trivia they were like, oh yeah, after they decide to go to Vista Del Mar, there was originally a, this other scene, but they cut it for pacing reasons. And I was like, really? You were paying attention to pacing? Because if so, you would have gotten down to Vista Del Mar much faster. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, so, all right, so then they, we see them go to Vista Del Mar, um, we see them on the plane, and then they get mm-hmm. to this discussion about how much they like the name Trish, yes. and that's a whole thing where they talk about 
how much I like the name Trish throughout the entire flight. Uh, and they're, they're they're just sort of creating this character named Trish, and they have all these these personality aspects to her, and uh, yeah, and the, and and it's just a big montage. It's just like cutting to different points in the in the flight, and they're still talking about Trish. Yeah, at one point I did I did like how they slipped in a really dark joke where we hear Star say, "Hey, you remember that uh, that hidden run I got into a, a few years back, and that lady that passed? Her name was Trish." <laughs> it's like a real quick thing where I was like, oh, did Star kill somebody in a hit and run? But apparently I, so. Yes. Apparently <laughs> so. So yeah, and then so we just we get to see how much these two these two people pretty much like need each other and just like are just kind of joined at the hip. Um and then we also see that Edgar, uh, Jamie Dornan's character, is leaving for Vista Del Mar with the microchip, and he needs to go down there to plant the detonator. That will uh, release the uh, release the kill, killer mosquitoes to destroy the entire town. Yes, right. So the so, you know they're on a collision course of the wackiness. Absolutely. Uh, so then they get to Vista Del Mar. They um, go to the Palm Vista Hotel. We get a yeah. very nice little uh, song and dance uh, montage opening number where they talk about how amazing this hotel is. And uh, we have I forget uh, I didn't write that his name Christopher McDonald I believe like he's uh, uh that's not it so let me see I, I, let me see if he's I think I have the IMDb up uh, so let me give me a minute to get to the cast list I, I know who you're talking about but I don't know his name offhand oh I got it uh, Mike Michael Hitchcock yeah wow that was <laughs> you were not even close <laughs> no not at all God damn um, what did Michael I say. Hitchcock, uh, he shows up in Bridesmaids too, right? He does. Yes, he's um, he's uh, Kristen Wiig's boss at the jewelry store. You're right. Yeah. In this one, he plays the concierge, and I, yeah. I just know I know him from a lot of those uh, Christopher Guest movies as well. He's uh, he's one of those. Hey, it's that guy. If if you yes. saw a picture of him, you'd be like, oh yeah, that guy. Uh, you, you've seen him in a million things. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so they get to Vista Del Mar. They love it immediately. It's the air smells like Red Lobster, and uh, and then uh, but it comes to find out that they're actually staying at the Palm Vista Motel, not the right. hotel. So which they... is which is across uh, a very hot parking lot that is like two football fields away. Yeah. Uh, so they go over there. The guy checking them in is uh, stand-up comedian uh, uh, Jerry Bud- uh, Bednob, who. Probably best known for the forty-year-old virgin. He was one of the workers in the the retail store there. Yes, yes, that that was a big role for him. Yeah, he was he was the Indian guy. He was you know like holy shit, you got to get on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I li- yeah, I liked how when they when they check him in, he says, "All right, so um, do you guys want towels?" Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, we probably do." Uh, sheet for the yeah. bed. Yeah, <laughs> but no pillows though, right? Yeah. <laughs> And then they're, like a... they're just so beaten down at that point. They're just like, okay, fine, no fellows, because <laughs> they're just so disappointed because the the hotel was so nice and festive and ritzy, and and then they, yeah, they just go to this no frills motel, and it's, it's right. just such a problem. Right, but then there's a it, it switches around because it turns out that there is a hotel room available at that hotel because uh, one of the families went missing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then, another another uh, dark joke. Uh, but again, it's just uh, uh, we had that, and I was like, "Well, okay, this was kind of funny, but you could have cut this whole sequence." 
I, it doesn't amount to anything plot-wise. That I will agree with you. Because, like, yeah. it does... it. Yeah, so for them to go to this nice hotel, then to the crappy hotel, but then go back to the nice hotel... Yeah, it's. I was like, all it's right. Like maybe, it's a, like a five minute digression, and I was just like, okay, well, just get on with it. <laughs> I'm really ready for the plot to start by this point, and we're we're close to forty minutes in. <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, so yeah. So then the the ladies go out for the evening to the uh, hotel bar. The, um, you know, we've got uh, Richard Cheese on the on the on the keyboards playing the piano. It was nice to see Richard Cheese. I am a bit of a fan of uh, Richard Cheese. Um, there you go. I, I used to... He he was one of the people that they would... Uh, I think he was an occasional guest on the Opie and Anthony show back in their heyday. Um, oh, and wow. He does sort of like lounge swing music, but with like kind of dirty twists on it. And, uh, and uh, he, he also does like rearrangements of popular songs as like lounge music yeah yeah pretty funny yeah okay yeah 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 i I was a big fan of those things back in the day Mm too uh so yeah so the two of them they meet up with edgar um he's looking dismayed because he has to carry out this assignment but he's only doing it because he's in love with a fisherman and um so he's bummed out that he doesn't that she doesn't want to make their relationship more official that's like his big thing and um and uh, he, he he strikes up a conversation with Barb and Star, and then then the two of them, the three of them, end up drinking this uh, ungodly huge drink called uh, the Berry Treasure, that's supposed yeah. to have like a little surprise at the bottom of it. And yeah, and they say like no one has ever finished it and gotten to the treasure, uh, but the three of them they finish it, and the yeah, bartender comes back and he's like, oh wow, you you actually did that whole thing, and apparently. Yeah. Like at the bottom, you find like these three pills, and they took the three pills. So, and it's applied to be some sort of hallucinogen. I don't know if it's ecstasy or whatever, but yeah, they're they're tripping balls. Yeah. So it's so then we cut to a scene of them tripping balls in a in a club, dancing to some like techno version of a Celine Dion song. And then yeah. I I did like this where they after when they're doing all this and they're tripping and dancing and clubbing, then they cut to a scene of the talking club again. That all of them just like quietly sipping tea, and somebody saying, "I like I like to look at wicker, but I don't like sitting on it." And then it cuts yeah. back to the huge party. I was like, "Oh, that's a nice little uh, nice little shift in things." Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A little cutaway. Yeah, nice little. That's uh, the word, cutaway. And and we wake up, or we we cut to them the next morning. They're all three of them waking up. They had they apparently they had the sex. They had a little, they had a three way. Right. Um, and, but, and they're, yeah. they're waking up all stacked on top of each other. Yeah, how do you even sleep like that? Like it wow. seems uncomfortable. It seems uncomfortable for everyone involved, except per, maybe perhaps the person on top. Um, yeah, that's the comfy spot right there. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, so then you know uh, Edgar thanks him for a, a lovely evening of uh, mm-hmm. of you know intercourse and what have you. And yeah. uh, he, he takes off. And um, oh, and also we see like during the drunken montage, he drunk calls uh, Sharon Fisherman saying, hey, this is this is off. I know you're just using me and, you know, I don't want to be used and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he, he tells her off, tells it like it is. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. So then after he leaves, then Barb and Star go out to buy friendship bracelets 
like that are uh, super super sharp because they're full of like tchotchkes and starfishes mm-hmm. and shells and whatnot. Uh, Edgar realizes that he left the microchip that he needed to set off the detonator. He left it in their apartment because you know. I, yeah, I it know. was it was in his belt buckle, and when he was like taking off his pants to get ready for the sex, it, right? Exactly. It fell out. I think. Exactly. He tells he tells Sharon that you know she berates him, calls him an idiot, says he she says. She's sending somebody else out there to clean up his mess, and she's really disappointed in him. And then we get this uh, very interesting, like, music video montage of uh, Jamie Dornan singing on the beach about how he's in this how, about his relationship and his feelings for his boss, and uh-huh. it's it's uh, quite interesting because uh, Jamie Dornan is actually singing in it, and it it has like a very eighties. No, I, I, I thought he wasn't singing. I thought that wasn't his voice. Uh, according to IMDb, that is not the case. Uh, according oh, really? to IMDb, I thought I read the opposite on the trivia. Maybe I misread that. Okay. I don't know. Wait, hold on. Let me. I I don't want to mislead the people. But oh, no, I... yeah, okay, it, says it it is really him singing. I thought it said it's not really him singing. But... Yeah, and so okay. we we see him singing. I don't know if it was him climbing up that palm tree, or uh... well, I think that was like a a trick. Uh, somehow we yeah oh. we see him like scaling a palm tree and he's like comparing how he's doing it to a cat. Like he, he always had one foot out of frame. So I'm sure he had some sort of platform. Uh, like somebody, somebody give me a boost. Like, Oh, so, I, that was, that was my guess. I think they were just moving a platform up and then they, they just shot it to make it look like he was climbing. Ooh, it. But, it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, so it was him dancing on the beach doing like almost, almost like a uh, Kevin Bacon and footloose. Type of like you he know. He did do some of the the footloose moves, yeah. When uh, Kevin Bacon goes off to the uh, the warehouse, yeah, the dimly lit wa- warehouse, and he's like sort of rage dancing, yeah, uh, to get all his frustrations out, and like, yeah, like, and he's doubled for most of it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, I feel so many emotions, and I have I, so I, many emotions. I'm going to be doubled for most of this <laughs> dance sequence. Ah, yeah. At one point, he rips off his he rips and tears his shirt. Which, according to AMD, that was his choice. Like, he wasn't supposed to, but he says it, the shirt wasn't designed to the tear away, but he felt it was necessary. Necessary. Right. Yeah, he was but. so into his character. Um, th- another fun fact about this, uh, this is the point where I would have turned the movie off if I didn't have to watch the entire thing for this podcast. Wow. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <laughs> At this point, it was like about 40 minutes in. I was like, okay, we've reached the point of diminishing returns. Uh, I know I do not like this movie. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so I just noted that for the record. <laughs> okay, so this was this was the turning point for you. Um, oh, that turning point, but this is the where... turning point, and more just the confirmation of what I had been feeling for some time. Okay, all right. Well, interesting. All right. Well, I yeah, I lost big on this one. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, you did, my friend. <laughs> okay. All right. So at this point, we see we go back to Barb and Star. They both are very smitten with Edgar. So they both go to see him behind each other's backs. Which so they're both kind of lying to each other for the first time, which they do not like and feel guilty about. Um, then we 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 see Barb goes over to to uh, Edgar's apart um, apartment, Edgar's hotel room, and they go for a walk. Uh, we, Barb is a widow. I don't know if we brought that up, but he's she, she's uh, her husband has passed, and her husband was named uh, Ron Quicksilver, 
And uh, according to her, he was so manly, there were rumors he was chemically off. That's mm-hmm. the type of man Ron, Ron Crixlover was. But um, as she's doing it, she's realizing, oh, I don't want to do this behind my friend's back. You know, so, and like, we can never be. So then they, she goes off. And then, like, immediately after the, uh, Barb leaves and Star comes in, and then uh, Edgar goes on the exact same walk that she, he went on with Barb. Right. And, and like, then they have a talk. They're, and they're on the same paddle boat. Together yeah. And, yeah. You, you hear Key Largo playing in the background again. Uh, and of course, Star is uh, divorced. Her husband, Carmine, was a, a cheater and cheating on her. And so she has trouble with love. So her and Edgar connect with that. Like they're both having trouble with love and, you know, falling in love and connecting with the, the person that they, they, they want to be with. So they, they find a little connection. There's a little spark there. All right, so uh, Edgar walks with Barb and Star. And also, we should also mention that somebody's secretly taking pictures of them while, yeah. um, while this happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. So do we, we see Edgar and Star is actually connecting, like I said, because they both you know, have uh, been hurt before. Affairs of the heart, as, as it were. And um, so they do, they do start to have like a bit of a connection there. And, um, and also we get, we also get a scene where uh, Star feels the same, you know, pangs of guilt over not telling Barb. He's like, oh, I can't do this to Barb. I, sh- I should really get back to the, um, you know, I should really get back to the hotel room. You know, that means, you know, we, I, we don't have much time, so we really got to have it. We really got to have sex right now before I got to go back. And uh, yeah, then they end up doing it on the uh, wooden steps of like the, the lifeguard station. And uh, sure enough, Edgar is into it. So they're like, you know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a pings of love here. Pings of affection, as they say. Yeah, I guess. Uh, all right. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so then we also cut back to um, our main villain, Sharon Fisherman, Sharon Gordon Fisherman. We learn why she's doing what she's doing, and we find out it's because... Uh, yeah. as, a ch- as a child, she's had the uh, the skin pigmentation, and she's she was got made fun of all her life by uh, children. No, no, she was technically an albino, right? Is albino not a, a politically correct or a uh, term anymore? I don't I, know. I don't think so. But yeah, okay. they, I mean, they made up a term: uh, pigmentia degenera hysterica white skinica. Right. Okay. That's that's what they call it. But yeah, she has I that. If it was for comedic purposes or if, because like, I know, I know the condition is called albinism in real life. So. Right. So al- albino should be okay, right? Because I mean, it's derived uh, from the medical term. It should be, but yeah. don't quote me on that, but it should be. I'm going to Google it now. <laughs> oh boy. Our, uh, is albino offensive? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Uh, it says opinions vary on the use of the word albino. While some find it extraordinarily offensive, others feel the label carries neutral or even empowering connotations. Many people with albinism uh, or albinism—I'm not quite sure which it is—agree that their feelings depend upon the context or intent in which the word is used. The term can be derogatory when said mockingly or with malice, or it can be used innocently by someone who needs, means no offense or is just curious. 
Okay, so mixed oh. bag. Mixed um, reaction. Uh, yeah, guys, call in and let us know. What do you think of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, okay. And some, some people may use the term proudly and feel empowered by taking back a once offensive word. Okay, so it's like, hmm. yeah, all right. Um, okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, fair enough. no offense meant. I'll avoid using that for the rest of the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Um, we, you can use terms like uh, pale girl or white devil. Or asshole. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to use white gavel. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Suit yourself. You know, because I don't want to offend any white devils out there in okay. the audience listening to this. Right. I'm quoting the movie, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for, for those that yeah. I'm not. I let's. I'm just. I'm just. Say, I'm just quoting the movie. Um. Yeah. So we find out she's been picked on all her life and teased at one point because uh, she grew up in Vista Del Mar. Uh, the big thing to do in that town is the big uh, shrimp fest, the big shrimp festival, and where they crown right. the shrimp queen. So what happened is some mean girls pushed her up on stage, put a crown on her, and she was mistakenly uh, crowned shrimp queen. And apparently the shrimp queen gets to be uh, shot out of a human cannon into the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, which yeah. is I don't know why that is. I don't think I ever really got into why, uh, but yeah, that is a thing that they do. And yeah. some mean girls, like they mockingly pushed her up onto the stage, and they put like a crown on her head, and then they put her in the cannon, then they turned the cannon all the way up to the highest setting. I didn't write down what the highest setting was. Do you have that? Um, I believe it's caused probable death. <laughs> Probable death. Yeah. So that seems bad. Yeah. Not uh, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, bad memory for, for Kimberly yeah. Gordon Fisherman. Right. Uh, yeah. She shot out the cannon and landed in the pool of a Disney cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Humiliated. So now as a you know, recompense, she will uh, set, a, set, a, a, set a, a swarm of Deadly mosquitoes on the town, which once spurned her. Mwah-ah-ah-ah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the whole reason for the big plan. Just, you know, her, uh, you know, her wanting friends and uh, getting dunked in a, getting shot out of a cannon and into the pool of a cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. and uh, by this point, this is probably, what, around close to an hour into the movie, right? Uh, Probably, yeah. Yeah, okay, because I have a note um, 57 minutes in. It says, I now want to start sending threatening texts to Darren. So, Oh, dear. All right, all right. But I resisted that impulse. I just want that noted for the record. Thank you, uh, sir. Happy birthday mm-hmm. to me. Yep, yep. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no death threats. All right. Um, yeah, so basically as the, as the movie goes on, we see that Star is, like, you know, constantly leaving bar behind to hook up with edgar behind her back and Mm -hmm. so now that barb's alone she kind of is doing all these things by herself like conquering conquering her fears uh going you know uh, scuba diving uh snorkeling alone she's uh Mm -hmm. doing surfing you know she's getting into drum circles walking on hot coals startling special effects during the surfing sequence by the way yeah right I mean, not since uh, Escape from L.A. has Whoa. there been a, a surfing sequence so utterly, utterly convincing. 
I'm my uh, my sarcasm uh, alarm is going off here when I when I hear you. Okay, go this. go to YouTube and look up Escape from LA surfing scene and yeah, the just bask in the glory. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kurt Russell and Peter Fonda surfing together on the most on the fakest looking wave you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Hang ten. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we see Barbara really kind of coming into her own. And uh, she even meets uh, one of her idols, uh, Tommy Bahama, played by Mr. Andy Garcia in, uh, in a nice Who little was rude to John Mulaney at a Laker game once. Ooh, boy. Don't. <laughs> Mulaney, don't. Never let that go, Mulaney. Never let that go. Never let that go. That's right. <laughs> he was rude to me at a Laker game once. <laughs> he was. He was. Uh, yeah. So, um,. And so we see Barb coming into her own. We see Star and Edgar falling deeper and deeper in love as they, you know, constantly bone. At one point, mm-hmm. she says, you know, in that last position, your, uh, your dong went really deep in me. It went so deep that it touched my heart. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they're falling in love. But, and, of course, Edgar wants to tell her the truth about what he's really here to do uh, because he told Star that he's a clam inspector. And he, he works for Clamco. So yeah. that, that's, his, that's his very uh, brilliant cover. Yeah. Uh, by the way, did you notice on the IMDb trivia who they originally wanted to play Tommy Bahama? Uh, no. Who, who they wanted to play? They wanted Barack Obama. Oh. That would have been, been a get. Um, yeah. I, th- I think he probably had other commitments. Uh, he's, he's doing other things. I... Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, a, a walk in cameo on a Kristen Wig movie? I don't know if I can do that. No. Yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible. That would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The Tommy Bahama appearance was originally, was originally meant to include Panama Jack, and they really wanted Barack Obama to play him. Oh. Uh-huh. That would have been, I mean, wow. That would have. That would have been something, right? Quite the coup. Yeah. I will admit. Um, I wonder how far up the ladder that went. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how close that offer got to reaching Barack Obama. Like, if, if that offer got even to Michelle, I'd be impressed. You like, think hey, Michelle is like the last line of defense? You think all the things go to Michelle before they go to Barack? Uh, yes, I think I think so. Okay. <laughs> I like, mean, because... and. I can kind of see where they were coming from because he he has done some comedy things in the past. He's he did uh, he did between two ferns uh, back when he was like rolling out the the big healthcare plan, and he did uh, comedians and cars getting coffee. So I think he would be not adverse to maybe doing a cameo, but I think it would have to be in the right project. You know? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Like he is, I mean, he is a funny man, and he is. He does have com- comedic chops. I think, you know, he's mm-hmm. been on, like, late-night talk shows and whatnot. And he is, yeah. you know, very charming. But, yeah, like, something like this is like, uh, I don't want to say beneath him, but it's... I will say beneath him. Okay. I, this movie, beneath Barack Obama. You know what? Yeah. Let's... I'll, I'll say... As much yeah. as I... Even I like this movie, even I'm like, uh, Barack, you can... You can do better. You'll, you'll co-sign on it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Wait till my script gets into your... Into your exactly. office. Exactly. Right? I'm finishing up right now, Barack. Finishing. By the way, I, I have another note. Uh, this was about an hour or seven minutes in. I think it was right around the end of the the uh, the Tommy Bahama scene. Uh, 
and it, my note reads, I hate Darren for doing this to me. Oh, boy. All right. So, well, yeah. All right. Moving right along. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I will admit. All right. So as, as much as you didn't like this film, I will admit the one thing I was kind of not too hot on was um, Damon Wayne Jr.'s character in this. I will because like he is the um, he is sort of the backup spy that uh, Sh- Gordon Fisherman sends to clean up uh, Edgar's mess. And I felt like he was you know, unnecessary. I, I actually kind of liked uh, Damon Wayne. What the Jr. fuck? <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you again. God damn uh, it. Like he, the running gag with his character is he's constantly uh, giving away too much information about himself. He's giving away his real name. He gives away his address. Um, he gives away his vital statistics when he leaves a package for Jamie Doran um, outside of his hotel room. Um, yeah, that I thought was I funny. Thought that was like, kind of cute. <laughs> where like he, uh, now you're just fucking with me. Like, I did. no, I'm not. I'm not. I I do generally like uh, Damon Wayans Jr. as a, as a performer. I I like right. him in the things I've seen him pop up in. Yeah, no, I I like him too. I thought it was funny. I did think that one point where he brought the microchip to uh, uh, Edgar's uh, hotel room and he put it in an envelope that said big letters "microchip is inside." I thought yeah. that was funny, but like as far as like the whole. For his part in the whole movie, I was like, I don't know. He's not really, like, necessary, really. Like, the same way... Yeah, no, yeah, probably not strictly necessary from a plot standpoint, but... Yeah, like, the same way um, Wendy McLevin Covey's character was, like, wasn't super necessary, but it was nice yeah. to see them in it, but I was like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of like a, you know, appendix. Or, you know, you can snip that right off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He probably is. You you probably could edit him out of this movie without too much trouble, but it was Damon Wayne Jr. and I was I was happy to see him pop up. That was that was fun, right? I, I and, and I I kind of like the running gag with his character. All right, all right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, where where was we? All right. So yeah. So, ba 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 ba. All right. Yeah. So it's we see Star and Edgar falling in love. At one point, we see. Star talking to a uh, a crab on the beach that talks back to her in Morgan right. in a Morgan Freeman voice, but it's the not the voice of Morgan Freeman. Yeah, Freemund with a D. But yeah, it's... it's not the actual Morgan Freeman. Um, the the guy doing the voice was um, oh oh what, uh, I had his name. It was Josh uh, Josh Robert Thompson, who is probably best known for he voiced. Um, Craig Ferguson's robot skeleton sidekick. Oh! The light show with Craig Ferguson. The light, light show. Oh, shit, really? Yep, yep. He did a great uh, Morgan Freeman. Uh, He did the Jay Leno fly. He he did uh, Robert De Niro. Very funny guy. I did not know that. Wow. So so the the crap was voiced by him. Guys, uh, if you haven't seen Craig... Craig Ferguson, uh, highly underrated. I thought his show Go was Go on like, YouTube and check out some clips of Craig Ferguson in The Late Late Show. Very like, entertaining. Loved him. Still miss him in Late Night. Yeah, no, he was doing stuff in Late Night that was like really kind of shaking things up. And like he just kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, just, he just kind of fell by the wayside and he just kind of became like yeah. an under, underground thing. But, yeah, when the, when the whole um, shift came, like when... Because I think he had a contractual thing where he could have possibly taken over for Letterman if he wanted to, but I think he he chose not to do that, and then they went with uh, Stephen Colbert. Yeah, or maybe they went with Stephen Colbert and they bypassed Craig Ferguson. And I think 
Craig Ferguson had some clause in his contract that he got like a nice payout because they didn't go to him first. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair enough. I think he knew yeah. that his style of comedy isn't for the masses. Like this is for like a certain. Yeah, yeah. it's like when when you're on at uh, you know twelve thirty five, you can be a little quirkier. You, you can you can get weird. That's where you see the the most interesting stuff, I think. Right. Uh, you wouldn't think an hour would make that much of a difference, but uh, apparently it does in late night. It does, indeed. Absolutely. Um, okay, so, uh, back to the movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, Barb overhears Edgar talking to his boss about not wanting to do this anymore, and, like, you know, I've, I've fallen in love with the star, and I don't want to ca- carry this one. I know you've just been using me. Uh, we right. see Fishmaker, you know, kind of stringing him along some more, telling him that Bob and Star are actually spies sent from an agency called the HPV. And like um, she sends him the pictures that um, that that she took of them on their walks, saying that those pictures were taken by this agency and they're here to take you down. And, um, you know, so now he believes that. And then uh, and then Fisherman says, you know, now you got to kill them. You got to take them out. Uh, so then Barb goes to warn Star about it. Star doesn't believe her. Then Edgar shows up with a gun to shoot them both and ties them up. And um, yeah, this is this is what all it, it's all happening, and, and, man. And there's a there's a fun callback where, like, when we early in the movie, when we see them packing for the trip, we see one of them put like this big thing of rope into their uh, suitcase. And then when later they're tied up with the rope. They're just like, oh, why did we bring this rope with us? Um, <laughs> I thought that was cute. There you go. You thought it was cute. All right. Small victories. Yeah. We'll take them where we can get them. Uh, so, yeah. So then as, I'm as throwing the, that crumb out there. <laughs> you're just, you're just <laughs> going for it like a pigeon. <laughs> delicious, delicious crumb. Nom, 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 oh, tasty, tasty crumbs. Uh, so then... Edgar uh, leaves them tied up. Uh, Barb yeah. and Star, they manage to get their way out of the rope with their, with their friendship bracelets that are, like, super sharp, as they pointed out earlier. And, um, yeah, so then, then as um, they attempt to go after Edgar, we see uh, Sharon Fisherman pops up, and she knocks them both out. And we, then we see Edgar putting the detonator on the stage. We see we go back, back to Sharon where Barb and Starter wake up. They're on a cliff and they're about to be uh, attacked by alligators that sh- uh, Shannon sicked on them. And of course, like any good villain, you know, Sharon walks away before the deed is actually done and the, and the two people are actually dead. Um, yeah. And yeah. so then as, the, as they're on the edge of a cliff and as the alligators walk to them, they decide to jump off the cliff. You know, hand in hand, you know, very Thelma and Louise. And lo and behold, uh, their culottes, their pants they're wearing, act as parachutes and glides them down onto the beach to safety. And I also like, mm-hmm. I, we probably forgot to mention in the beginning of the, uh, but in the beginning of the movie, they give the definition of culottes because I think right. in editing, they realize, oh, maybe not everybody knows what culottes are. So, right. which is apparently yeah, is. They're, I mean, they're, they're shorts that are basically like, the way they're cut, they're they're kind of wide at the bottom, so they they sort of look like a skirt at first glance. If you're not looking closely, you could think somebody's wearing a skirt. Right, exactly. They like kind of. But no, they are shorts, my friend. Yes, they are, but they they kind of cut off to the calves, so they're not. They're yeah. a little bit longer than shorts, but they're not quite pants. 
It's it's an interesting dynamic. It's, I mean, it's a wondrous thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's a wondrous thing. I mean, they're not, they're not skirts. They're not, they're not quite shorts. They're not quite pants. What are they? They're culottes. Uh huh. Yes. The, the mystery of the, of the clothing world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then Sharon meets up with Edgar, Edgar, um, and she tells him the truth. They're like, oh yeah, they weren't really HPV agents. I just said that to get you to do what I wanted. Um, and, and just as uh, Sharon is about to hit the detonator to, to trigger the, uh, to trigger the, the thing to, to release the killer mosquitoes, that are in a submarine driven by Yo-Yo, the small Asian boy at the beginning of the film, um, we see that Edgar knocks her out unconscious with a big bottle of sand art that, she, that he made with uh, Star. So now they're running to take care of the detonator so to, sa- to save the city of uh, Vista mm-hmm. Del Mar. Um, uh, I, th- I th- by the way, I think by around this point in the movie, I, I think my next note is relevant. Uh, this is one hour, 26 minutes in. Let's go. I wrote time is moving backwards now. So jeepers. All right. Well, I'm really enjoying it at this point. It's this is, this sounds like, sounds like a five-star movie for you. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Barbara Star go to the stage. They get the detonator. detonator. They meet up with Edgar. Edgar tells them, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I love you, Star. And um, yeah, then, then they kind of join forces. Bob and Star get, they, they get the detonator from the stage. They take it all, they get on, they hop on a jet ski. They, they, they jet ski out to the ocean and uh, to, get, to get rid of the detonator. Sharon sees them. She wakes up. She puts herself into the, um, the cannon at the at the uh, shrimp jam, uh, and shoots herself out into the ocean towards where Barb and Star are. Knocks them off into the water to get the detonator back, so she can complete her evil plan. And uh, basically, what happens is the mosquitoes come out of the submarine and basically attack uh, Sharon because she has the um, the thing that attracts them. And Barb and Star end up falling into the water and just they look like they're about to drown. It's a, a lot happens yeah. right here. And of, and of course we get another cut to the talking club <laughs> too. They're like t- them talking uh-huh. with a nice little non sequitur in there. Uh, I believe Phyllis still wants to talk about horses and uh, Vanessa Bayer character is not having it. No. Right. So at this point it looks like Barb and Star are about to drown. They tell each other they love they love each other, and it looks like this is it. And they're doing this with, like, not sign language, but through gestures, because they're both underwater, and they're just... Exactly. A lot of, yeah. lot of hand motions. and uh, A lot of hand motions. We have some helpful subtitles underneath, so we yes. know what they're signing. Exactly. So, basically, it looks like they're, they're about to drown. The end is nigh. But then we see something. we see something come towards them, but we don't see what it is. Uh, cut to the beach. We see Edgar and everybody else at the shrimp jam, looking out into the ocean about everything, you know, looking at everything that happened. Then we see Barb and Star s- sort of being saved and being and surfing on the ocean towards the beach. And mm-hmm. Edgar walks up to them and was like, "Oh my and, god!" It's more like skiing, they're, like because they're standing upright, right? Um, so it's, like they're skiing on something, but we don't see what they're standing on. Right. It's like that um, that Go Go's uh, music video, Vacation. It looks like that. Yes. 
Yes, and the startling special effects of that video. Startling. Startling. Right. I mean, just startling. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! It's like uh, Spielberg did this. So, um, so then they go. They they land on the beach. Edgar walks up to them and says, "Oh my God! What happened? What happened out there? Well, how'd you guys make it out alive?" And then, of course, the two of them look at each other and say, "It was Trish." Look out in the ocean. We see uh, Trish, a water spirit, played by Reba McIntyre. Yes. Very random. Extremely random Reba McIntyre cameo. So if you're into random Reba McIntyre cameos, uh, this is the movie for you. Absolutely. So uh, yeah. yeah. So as it turns, so we have a happy ending. It seems like the town is saved. Edgar and Sharon admit e- that they love each other and. Uh, Barbara Star make up. They're still good. They're best friends, better than ever. Uh, then we also see that Sharon is actually alive because she took the real antidote to the mosquito bites. Um, she she gave um, Edgar like a fake one. She, it was it was actually a lemon infused iced tea. And mm-hmm. so we see Sharon coming out covered in uh, welts and mosquito bites. And Barb and Star confront her. Sharon says, "Yeah, I you know I didn't I." Did all this just because I couldn't have friends when I was a kid. Everybody, was, everybody shunned me. And then Star and Barbara were like, oh, we'll be your friends. And it ends on this very nice, warm, heartwarming And, and then everyone else on the beach is like, I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. I'll, yeah. They're very forgiving of the yeah. fact that they were almost killed. Maybe yeah. they're not quite aware that they were almost killed. Uh, let's not tell them that or else they won't be her friend. Let's, let's Yeah, see. yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then that's I'm it. I'm generally less inclined to be somebody's friend after I find out that they tried to kill me. Ooh, uh, I have some emails I need to uh, to cancel. Then. Wow! Whoa! <laughs> oh, oh ho, ho. this is how it comes out. All right, okay. This, this is how it ends, ladies and gentlemen. This is the final episode of SNL Nerds. We hope you enjoyed. You can follow us on Twitter. Oh. And uh, yeah, well, that's that's the end of the movie. Like the two of them end up going yeah. on the banana boat ride that they've always wanted to, which is a real tit flapper, as they say in the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, it ends up on this great note where everybody parties and uh, happy endings all around. Barb and Star go to yeah. Vista del Mar. I liked and, it. Uh, John hated I, it with the hot. I have one last note. Uh, it says uh, one hour forty minutes in. Uh, I wrote in all caps. I fucking despise this, and I am angry at everyone involved. Good grief! So, all right, all right. So let's get yeah. into it, because I, like, I genuinely didn't. I didn't. This, this is kind of my big fear. Where I, I suggested a movie where I thought, where I liked, and I thought you wouldn't like it. But I genuinely thought you would, at the very least, think this movie was okay. Because look, Rotten Tomatoes, eighty percent, um, with the critics, sixty percent audience score. That's not bad. Yeah. So I and like this. Movie, I mean, those people are wrong, but you, you are well, correct. That is not all right. But and like I it's feel a respectable score. Okay, and I feel like this movie it has a tone that's very much like um kind of a type of comedy we don't really see anymore. Like very like absurdist kind of, kind of comedy. Like if, if it feels like it has a type of tone, I would compare it to maybe Anchorman. I would compare it to Zoolander. I would compare it to Austin Powers. It had that same type of tone. So, like, with those things going into it, I was like, all right, John will, will probably think this is okay. So the fact that you, like, are totally rejecting it is like, like wow, I, I totally miscalled that. So, like, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have the floor. Just what, overall, is it just because it's too long or it's just, it's not, 
you know, miscast or just not the jokes aren't there? Like, what is what's what's the big um, the big gripe? I mean, I, realistically, the movie is not too long because it's like an hour forty seven minutes. I think that's a respectable length for a movie, especially if you're doing a comedy. Um, it felt so much longer to me, though. It, this movie felt like sixteen hours. Okay. Um, like, like I said early on, I would be tired of these characters in like a five-minute sketch. So spending like an hour forty-seven minutes with them was just interminable for me. Okay. Um, I, they just wore out their welcome for me very quickly. I didn't think the writing was all that great. There were there were a couple isolated gags that I kind of liked, but eh. and you know honestly I I'm kind of ant on bridesmaids too. Okay. Um, so I maybe their writing is just not for me. Um, All right, fair enough. You know, a little of these guys went a long, long way. Um, All right. So All I, right. you know, there there are people I like in it. I mean, I I think. Kristen Wiig is a talented performer. I do get sick of her sometimes. I got sick of her when she was on SNL. Um, but there are other people I like. I, you know, I love Ian Gomez. I, it was fun seeing Richard Cheese pop up. I haven't seen him in forever. I, I enjoy Damon Wayans Jr. I like Wendy McClendon uh, Covey. I mean, lots of people I like in this movie, but I just I didn't think the story was there. I okay. I just didn't find it very funny. All right. So you had moments and people you like in it, but like overall it didn't come together quite like you wanted. You know, no, All right. it just didn't work for me. Okay. And that's fine. You're, 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 you're welcome to your opinions. Good, sir. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I, I appreciate that you enjoy it. I, yes. I, I mean, for I, me, yes. I'm glad that this movie gives you pleasure. I, <laughs> yes. This, this movie's dong went really deep in me. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I by the way, I read in the uh, in the IMDb trivia. I think they said at one point uh, that they wanted to say that Edgar uh, penetrated Star, but that would have that would have uh, bumped it up to an R rating. So they had to change it to pleasuring her. Yeah, so. that's. I mean, I I guess I get it, but yeah, that's that's a weird that's, distinction to make. That's so weird. That's so arbitrary. Yeah. Look. And you know it's not it's not like we're showing anything. It's just a choice, a word choice. But penetrating is too suggested. I don't. I guess so. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's um, I don't know. It's a weird choice. Um, so weird. <laughs> but yeah, either way, uh, either way, guys, that's the movie. Uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, tweet at us. Let us know what you thought. Do you, Do you yeah. agree with me that this movie is hilarious? Are you on the uh, on the wrong side of history and agree with John? That this movie should be, uh, you know, just buried underneath a, a, a pile of uh, poop. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just you know, like like bury it like nuclear waste. Exactly. <laughs> Along with all those, just like go out to the desert, you know, put it in a lead canister. Yes. Bury it right next to those old uh, ET uh, video games from the eighties. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's our episode, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. At a SNL Nerd Show. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at D A R I N Credible. Uh, hit me up. Let me know what's up. Wish me a happy birthday. I, I crave the attention. Please. Yes. <laughs> and you can follow me on uh, over on the Twitter at uh, Trumbull Comic. That's T R U M B U L L and then the word 
comic. Indeed. And uh, yeah, as always, you could uh, hit us up on Patreon, donate money at non-productive.com. Hit up our Patreon, money, 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 please, please, please. Yes, yes. And, you know, we have the occasional bit of bonus content over there. We do. Where, you know, you'll hear us talk about other things outside. We we sometimes just keep the tape rolling and yeah. uh, we just talk about whatever comes into our head. And if yeah. you enjoy hearing us go back and forth on this stuff, then that's a... That's a thing that you can do. Yes. Um, Give it a listen. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's the episode. Uh, should we talk about uh, what we're going to talk about next week? Since it seems like Let's SNL... Let's talk about what we're doing next week. Sure. That'd be fun. Let's do that. We haven't done a documentary on this podcast in a long time, and I, I've been kind of itching to do a documentary. I, I enjoy watching like a nice documentary about uh, comedy or a comedy star. And there's a new one that, that came out recently that I thought, hey, we can do that because it's directed by an SNL alum. Mm, go uh, on. So it's uh, the new documentary by Amy Poehler uh, called Lucy and Desi, all about uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Sounds good. I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've been in like the zeitgeist lately because uh, Aaron Sorkin just did his movie about them. And I watched that. I've got opinions on that. Woo! Um, yeah. Um, you, you've you not seen the Aaron Sorkin thing, right? I have not. No, sir. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I haven't watched the Amy Poehler doc yet, but I'm looking forward to that. I enjoyed... Uh, we, we watched the movie that she directed, um, Wine Country, on the podcast a little while back. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the next thing that she's doing. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to, I can't wait to give this a look-see and talk about it. On the podcast with you, good sir. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I have a feeling, just a hunch, that our our opinions will be a little more aligned on that one. Yes, exactly. We're sorry, you know, this one, this one, this one was a rocky one. You got to see, you got to see two best friends fight and to the death on this one. But like this next episode will be more, will be more uh, in in sync. I think. This was more of a polite disagreement. Yes. A gent- right? Yes, a gentleman's... Yeah, yeah, you know, I take that back. Yeah, this wasn't like a duel. We, we didn't get personal. Yeah. I didn't send you those threatening texts. I thought about it, but I didn't. They are, you know what? You're a stronger man than I am. Exactly. And that's what... That is what friendship is all about. It is about repressing your true feelings. That's and, right. That's, and not acting on them. That's what friends are for. Right. Never revealing how you actually, actually feel. Yeah. Keep those for the sake of appearances. That's right. Keep that shit buried deep inside of you. <laughs> exactly. This is the the guiding principle by which I've led my life. Yes. Present a false facade that's acceptable to the public at large, mm-hmm. and you'll never and you'll always have friends. And never let people know what's actually going on inside of you. No one wants to know the real you. No. 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 <laughs> Barry, Barry. I mean, do you want to know the real me? God, no. Yeah, exactly. Go with that impulse. Bury that shit deep in a landfill next to the old E.T. video games from the 80s. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So that's that's going to be uh, what we do next week. And uh, so, yeah, come back for that. Come back for Lucy and Desi. And uh, until then... Nerds out! This has been a non-productive media presentation. 
Executive Producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.